Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today we're going to be previewing the Saturday, December 17th slate of bowl games for college football DFS. So if you're playing on DraftKings or FanDuel for college football, this is the right place for you. Um, if you missed our preview of Friday's bowl games, check out the podcast feed. We recorded and uploaded that yesterday. We talked about the Bahamas Bowl and the Cure Bowl. Um, here we're going to be talking about the Saturday bowl games. There is six of them. Um, most notably of which is the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl, which is a brand new one, which is probably the most ridiculous bowl game of the year, but I kind of like it. Anyway, we've got you covered here for college football DFS for all of bowl season, starting with Friday's slate recorded yesterday, and then we got Saturday's slate recorded today, and we're going to be getting into next week's action once DraftKings has the prices up. Also, if you're interested in playing college basketball DFS, we've got episodes coming up on the podcast for that as well, as well as NFL later on during the week. It's a great time of year for sports, and we've got them all covered here on Mike's Money Picks. Now, if you want access to my full DFS lineups that includes college football, college basketball, NFL, and more, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. We've been running pretty good lately, so go ahead and hop on the train while you can. All right, so oh, one last thing. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Mike's Money Picks. I'm more than happy to answer any lineup suggestions, start, sit questions, uh, and sometimes I put up some stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the podcast. All right, that's everything that I want to talk about on the intro. So let's go ahead and start breaking down Saturday's slate of DFS. We're going to, start, we're going to go position by position. We're going to start off talking about the quarterback position. Uh, but first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. So with there being six total games played on Saturday, only five that are on the DraftKings slate, this is kind of like a normal Saturday for college football. I mean, not quite because, you know, you don't really have any of the big names. There's not really like a marquee matchup. But still, five games going on gives us a solid slate to look at here on DraftKings. So let's start with the quarterback position. Five games means that there is 10 starting quarterbacks worth looking at. And I want to talk about six of them here on the podcast that are of note to get into mine and your lineups on Saturday. So let's start off with Jaron Hall of BYU. So he has missed a few games recently with a medical issue, but he is expected to play this one with no issues at all. Uh, he's in the game this Saturday that has the highest point total of 64. You know, SMU, not a great defense. BYU, not a great defense either. But, you know, both of them have pretty potent offenses, so there could be a lot of points scored in this one, a lot of shootout potential. And for Jaron Hall, when his team scores more than 20 real points, he's been great. He averages 30 fantasy points per game. And SMU has given up at least 23 real points against every FBS opponent since week one, including these big outputs. They gave up 59 to Tulane, 63 to Houston, 42 to TCU, and 41 to UCF. Now, those are some good offenses, but BYU is a good offense too. So I think BYU will keep that streak going of at least 23 points. And like I said, when his team averages more than 20, or when his team scores more than 20, Jaron Hall averages 30 fantasy points per game. I think this is a great combination to play Jaron Hall. And I think that if you're going to game stack with your lineup, this SMU-BYU game is the one to do a game stack with. Second up is Jake Hayner of Fresno State. So kind of an underwhelming end of the season from Hayner. He has back-to-back single-digit games, which are the only two games this season that he's finished that he's had under 20 fantasy points. He was knocked out early of another game. And Washington State allows 394 yards total per game, and the Fresno offense averages 395. So what that means is this is going to be kind of like business as usual for Fresno State. It's not like they're getting you know a plus matchup but it's also not like they're getting a negative matchup either. Like This should end 
with pretty much an average performance from the Fresno State offense. Now, this game also has the third highest point total on the slate. Um, the one thing that worries me about Hainer, though, is when you look at Fresno State's play calling in these last two games, they've gotten so much more run heavy. It's like they've just decided that they're going to run Jordan Mims more on him later and just kind of, you know, only pass when necessary. And that's just not the path to a lot of fantasy points for Jake Hainer. Of all the top options, he is probably not the one I would go with. But I think that there are a lot of other people that have that sentiment as well. And so he's going to come in low owned. Like I said, this game's the third highest total on the slate. So there is some shootout potential. All right, next up is the other side of this matchup, Cam Ward of Washington State. So I really have liked Cam Ward on the podcast here all season long. I've played him in DFS quite a few times. But here's the one alarming thing. This game, this matchup, this Saturday, is the highest his salary has been all season. So at his current salary, the salary he's at right now, he doesn't even average three times value. And in fact, he only has one game over four times value for his current salary. And it was against Oregon. You know, not a great defense and a game where they had to throw a lot. So what we're looking at here is we're looking at a guy who's gotten a price bump for kind of no reason. And while I like the matchup against Fresno, I like the, you know, consistent production. I don't think he has the ceiling to be like the guy that like breaks the slate on DFS this Saturday. So I think he's a good cash game option. Like I think he's got a high floor. But I just, I don't know. I'm not seeing it with Cam Ward at this salary. If he were in the 6K range, I would be all over him, but not with as high up as he is right now. Next up is Tanner Mordecai of SMU, and I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of surprised that I had to go this far down the list to start talking about Tanner Mordecai. You know, he had one of the highest performances of the season by a quarterback with his 65 fantasy point performance against Houston. However, since that game, he has not been over 20 fantasy points in three straight games. Now, what is... Kind of optimistic about this situation is that we know he's got a good matchup against BYU. We know it's going to be a high-scoring game. And we know he's going to throw the ball because he averages almost 40 pass attempts per game. So you're looking at a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands, who's going to be slinging it all over the yard against a decent defense in a game where he's going to have to score points. Yeah, I kind of like Tanner Mordecai this week. I would definitely play him over Hainer and over Ward. Uh, And I think that if you're game stacking, again, I mentioned this on the Jaron Hall segment, if you're game stacking, this is the game to game stack. Now, two more quarterbacks that are way down the board and they're playing against each other. First one is Ben Gulbranson of Oregon State. So this is kind of an outside the box pick. I think he's going to come in really low owned. Um, However, I don't think he has the most upside in the world. He has only two games over 20 fantasy points all season. But the good news is Florida is a bad pass defense. And Oregon State is really projected to win this game their double-digit favorite. So I definitely could see um, Oregon State's offense getting going. I could see Gold Branson being kind of the leader of that. And I think that he's definitely a really good low-owned pivot play at a very cheap cost. Last guy that I want to talk about for quarterbacks is Jack Miller III of Florida. He is starting in this game for opt-out Anthony Richardson and dismissed from the team Jalen Kitna. And... You know, he started off the season as the third-string quarterback, which is always, you know, kind of alarming. He wasn't even the backup. But you're looking at a guy who the talent's there, and I'm always a guy that tends to trust talent. He was a four-star recruit, and, you know, he just he he's supposed to be the guy eventually. So, you know, why not just go ahead and be the guy on Saturday? 
and he's at a minimum price for quarterbacks. I think he's a very solid option. Now, granted, I think he's going to come in high owned because he is a starting quarterback with a lot of potential with a low price tag, but I do think that there's a lot of upside there. I also think that Florida may struggle to run on Oregon State. You know, Oregon State's a pretty stout run defense. And, you know, like I said earlier, Oregon State's double-digit favorites, but Florida's still implied to score 21 points. So if they get to that 21 number, it's going to be because Jack Miller III throws for a touchdown or two and maybe runs for a touchdown or two as well. All right, that does it for the quarterback position. Let's go ahead and flip on over to running backs. So now we're talking running backs. And at the top of the board at the running back position this week is George Halani of Boise State. So one thing that's interesting is that Halani has been, over the course of the whole season, a low-volume but successful fantasy running back. He's only top 20 rushing attempts in a game twice all season. However, one thing that I, you know, is kind of concerning about Halani is that he had some great matchups in his last two games, and he didn't really do a whole lot with them. Now, you know, that lack of volume kind of came back to bite him in those two games. He didn't get in the end zone, and he just didn't really get as much success as I thought he was going to. However, this might be the one game where he doesn't need a whole lot of volume. North Texas game totals average 65 points, so they're giving up a lot of points per game, and they also give up 188 rushing yards per game. So this is a really good matchup if you want to go with George Halani. However, given the recent performance, I would totally understand if you pivoted away from it. Next up is Jordan Mims of Fresno State. So unlike George Halani, Mims averages 20 carries per game. And that number of carries is seeming to go up as the season progresses. He also just had 23 fantasy points against Boise State, who is one of the toughest run defenses in the country. So if you can do that against Boise State, why couldn't you do that against Washington State? Frank Gore Jr. is next up of Southern Mississippi. So he is in what very well may be the ugliest game of the slate, the, the lowest scoring game, the one that nobody watches, just not a fun time in that game looking at it. However, one thing that is good about Frank George Jr. is that he has proven that he can get to double-digit points and more in ugly games. You look at his game log, the score of the game does not determine how many points Frank Gore Jr. scores. So I'm totally okay with playing Frank Gore Jr. Just know going in, this is not going to be one of those 45-40 shootouts that you're going to get like seven touchdowns out of him. Nakia Watson of Washington State is a guy that I like a lot. I think he's going to be super highly owned. He has been in each of the last few DFS contests that he's been in because he has four straight games over 25 fantasy points since returning from injury. That's pretty impressive, y'all, especially for a guy at this price tag. Like That's like B. John Robinson and Blake Corum territory when you do four games over 25 fantasy points. So I, you know, I still think he's underpriced. I think he'll be highly owned, but he's a guy that I definitely want to get in my lineups this week. I'm willing to play the chalk there in Nakia Watson. Next up is Christopher Brooks of BYU. So he's been over 100 yards in back-to-back weeks with no touchdowns. So he's kind of got unlucky in terms of like touchdowns. I think he could definitely be in line for some touchdown regression. It is likely that his backup or, I guess, committee mate, Lapini Katoa, does not play in this game, which would open up more carries for Christopher Brooks. And SMU's run defense, we talked about their pass defense. Well, guess what? Their run defense isn't great either. So there's definitely opportunity for Christopher Brooks to have a good day. And honestly, I think he's a great leverage play. I think if, you know, we see a lot of ownership on Jaron Hall, which is definitely a possibility, that Christopher Brooks will be a great pivot away from that because if Hall isn't getting the touchdowns, it would be Christopher Brooks that's getting the touchdowns. And so you could definitely get some leverage on the field by going with Christopher Brooks. 
Now, two other running backs that I do like, and they're actually going against each other, is Montrell Johnson of Florida and Damian Martinez of Oregon State. Both have kind of taken over the lead role in their backfield as the season goes on. Both face not-so-great matchups, even though Florida is much softer against the run than Oregon State is. And they're both pretty cost-affordable, so I'm kind of okay with playing either of these guys, Montrell Johnson and Damian Martinez. Now we're looking at more value plays down here further down on the board. The first one is Tyler Levine of SMU. Levine? Levine? I'm going to go with Levine. He has over 20 fantasy points in five straight games, and that has coincided directly with the injury to former starting running back Trey Siggers. And so Levine has kind of taken that role and ran with it with those performances. In those games, he averages 20 rushing attempts per game. And honestly, I think BYU has a pretty soft run defense. If you were like me and you watched the Notre Dame game against BYU, Notre Dame was able to run all over him. Now, obviously, SMU's offensive line is not Notre Dame's offensive line. And Tyler Levine is not Audric Estime, but I still think that the principles are there. BYU can be ran on. And again, I think he's a great leverage play, much like Christopher Brooks, where if a lot of people are on Tanner Mordecai, you can get a lot of leverage on him by playing Tyler Levine and getting those touchdowns. Next up is Akaika Ragsdale of North Texas. He would be a huge value if not for that matchup against Boise State, because he has 35 fantasy points and 19 fantasy points in his last two games, which would greatly pay off the price tag that he's at however you know i'm concerned about the matchup against boise but maybe i shouldn't be because jordan mims of fresno state just had 23 fantasy points against boise i mentioned that earlier actually so you know maybe it's not as tough of a matchup as i thought but either way a kiker ragsdale at that price tag is a great value play and then last one for florida trevor etn is still involved in that backfield i know montreal johnson has kind of taken over a lead role but in recent weeks, Florida's gotten super-duper run-heavy, and so Trevor Etienne is still going to be involved. He's still going to be a factor, and he's definitely a guy that this far down the board, he's probably the only one I'm interested in. All right, that does it for the running backs. Let's go take a look at the wide receiver position. All right, so now time for our last breakdown of the day for the wide receiver position. We're going to be doing it how we've done it pretty much during the regular season, which is we're going to be going starting with the top of the board guys, but we're going to break down the rest of their team when we get to them, you know, talk about different stacking options and talk about who we like in terms of matchups. Now, at the top of the board is Puka Nakua who of BYU, who is much deserved to be top of the board. You know, he's been great since the Notre Dame game when he returned from an injury and kind of played in a limited role that game. Ever since that Notre Dame game, he's been outstanding. He has two games over 40 fantasy points, and he has a great matchup against SMU. I totally, totally understand why he is at the top of the board. Now, I think everybody else in this BYU offense, in my opinion, is just stack bait. I would not play any of them as a one-off. I would not play any of them, you know, if I wasn't game stacking or, you know, stacking the BYU offense. So Keanu Hill has had two huge games over 35 fantasy points, but he has not been a consistent factor in the offense. So if you're looking for a stack for GPP purposes, Keanu Hill is probably your guy. Isaac Rex is more regularly involved, but he has very little upside. So if you're looking for a cash game stack, maybe Isaac Rex is your guy. Chase Roberts is the third one I want to talk about because he had a huge game when Nakua was out at the start of the season, but he hasn't really done a whole lot since Nakua has gotten back from injury. So, um, you know, those are the three names I'll be looking at for BYU. But like I said, uh, if I'm not stacking, I'm not playing them personally. Now for SMU, 
they have an injury to their leading receiver, Rashi Rice, which is going to open up a huge target share for somebody. He was one of the leaders in the nation in target share. Jordan Curley has consistently been the wide receiver, too, in target share when he has been healthy, and he has been healthy in recent weeks. And pretty much every other SMU receiving option has had one big pop game and then been irrelevant ever since. Moochie Dixon and Roderick Daniels are probably the two that are going to be on the field the most. Now, doing all the research that I could online, looking up beat writers, looking up um, you know, the articles about SMU's death charts, the best that I could find have Austin Upshaw as the candidate to be in Rasheed Rice's spot on the field. Now, granted, he's not going to get immediately all of Rice's targets, but if he's going to be the one that's out there on the field, he's definitely worth a shot, especially when, when you're looking at GPPs and a way to be different. Austin Upshaw may be that guy. Now, after NACWA, in my opinion, it's a lot of overpriced options. I'm not really interested in the Oregon State receivers. I'm not really interested in the Boise receivers. Both of the Fresno receivers are good, but in my opinion, they're overpriced. Between the two of them, I would be picking Jalen Moreno Cooper easily. Like, I don't know why they're so close together in price. I think he should be about $700 more expensive. And then Zane Pope of Fresno is a guy that I like a lot. Like, he's been good for us in recent weeks, and, you know, he's kind of the slot guy there in Fresno. And if Washington State takes it away on the outside, Zane Pope could see a lot of targets. But, like I said, that whole group of receivers in kind of the low sevens and high sixes, I think they're a little bit overpriced. Now, looking at the Washington State receivers, the transfer portal has greatly thinned this receiving core. Dejon Stribling and Donovan Ollie are both gone, and Renard Bell and Robert Farrell both have injury icons next to them on DraftKings, but I definitely expect both of them to play from everything I've read. Both played the final regular season game with no issues, so I don't get why DraftKings hasn't updated their icons. Now, so those are the two guys to consider, Bell and Farrell. To me, Leighton Smithson is a breakout candidate, you know, he's the starting slot now for Washington State, and he has double-digit points in three of his last four. And, hey, when you're under $4,000, we'll take double-digit points any day of the week. Now, another guy that figures to see increased playing time with the absence of Strib- Stribling and Ollie is Lincoln Victor. So that's another name to consider. And, again, he's much like um, Austin Upshaw. When we're looking for a GPP, very cheap, high-upside play, He's a guy that you got to consider. One of these guys down here in the far value range, like in the 3K range, is going to win somebody a GPP this week. And I'm just making sure I get the names out there to you guys to make sure you guys are aware of them. It's probably going to come as part of a game stack too. So if you were stacking the Washington State offense, Victor is a guy that you can put in, relieve yourself some salary, and maybe he pops, maybe he does. Now for Rice, Luke McCaffrey is one that is a bit of an unknown. He hasn't played in a few weeks, but he doesn't have an icon next to his name on DraftKings. And from everything I've read, he's still fairly questionable. So I don't know if he plays or not. If he does, I do like him. I think that he's got a pretty good matchup. Um, but, you know, I'm still a little bit or hesitant because of that injury status, and I'm definitely going to wait till later in the week before I make a decision on that. Florida do has two receivers that pretty much they use exclusively in the SA, or the FSU game. First one was Ricky Pearsall. He had a huge game in that one. And then the second one was Jonathan Odom. And like they were like the only two guys that got thrown to at all at the wide receiver position. So those are probably the only two that I would be considering for that Florida offense. For value plays, I do like two North Texas receivers. Jair Shorter at $4,900 had a really hot start to the year cooled off in the middle of the year, and now he's got double digits in three of his last four games. 
And then Varquez Gums at $3,600 is a guy that has been involved in the offense every week. So, you know, he's got a little bit of a floor. He's definitely a really good cash game play. And he has five games over 11 points. So, you know, at a $3,600, we will take 11 points. That's over three times value. So um, definitely looking at him as an option this week. All right, so that does it for the wide receiver position, y'all. And that does it for all of our bowl analysis for Saturday. So hopefully um, I gave you guys some names that you can get into your lineups this Saturday. Um, gave you guys some strategies as well. You know, we talked about game stacking. We talked about team stacking. One thing that is intriguing to me as the season goes on is it seems that lineups that have primary and secondary stacks have been the ones that have been winning these GPPs. So in other words, play your quarterback and their two receivers and then find another running back receiver stack or quarterback receiver stack to get into your lineup. Double stacks have been winning GPPs. I, I, you know, I can't explain why mathematically, but that's just a trend that I'm noticing. So if you want to see how I construct that in my lineup, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. It'll give you full access to all of my DFS lineups for college football, college basketball, NFL, and more. You don't even have to play the lineups. You can just look at how I build it, use some of the names, use some of the tactics, and go from there. But it's definitely well worth your money, in my opinion. All right, that does it for this episode, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, we will see you back for the rest of bowl season. We're going to have a lot of episodes coming your way here on Mike's Money Picks. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you all next time.